Guess what we're still in? We changed chapters this morning. We spent 19 weeks on chapter 5. I don't know how many weeks we're going to spend on chapter 6. We'll have to see. But that's where we're at this morning. Uh, Matthew 6, 1 to 4. Be careful not to do your good works in public in order to attract attention. If you do, your Father in heaven will not reward you. So when you give to the poor, don't announce it with, a tr- with trumpet fanfare. This is what the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets in order to be praised by people. I can guarantee this truth. That will be their only reward. When you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your contributions privately so your father sees what you do in private. He will reward you. The word reward in this chapter is we find three times. And I know that a lot of people do things for rewards, and that's okay. Technically, if we go to work every day, if you have a job, you kind of get rewarded for your work, but you know what you're going to get, don't you? (laughs) I work 40 hours this week. I make X amount of dollars per hour. That's what I'm going to get. Right? Isn't that how we figured that? But reward or punishment isn't necessarily a good deterrent or a good reason that people do things. How do I know that? Look in the jails. If punishment was a deterrent, the prisons would be empty, and so would the jails. Of course, the people think, I'll never get caught. You may, but I won't get caught. I'm too sneaky. But that's the reality of it. We don't ever think about that we'll get caught or we'll be punished. So sometimes that isn't necessarily a reason to do something or not to do something. But God tells us, Jesus tells us, we will be rewarded when we do things. Of course, there's a little catch there. With the right motivation. Because there's a lot of people that do things to be seen of men. And that's the reason they do them. That's the only reason they do something. If I do this, they're going to praise me in church. If I do this, they're going to praise me on the job. That's the only reason they do stuff. But something is for people's attention. And uh, when you do that, that's your reward. That's the only reward you're going to get is, is the attention of man. But I personally want God to reward me, don't you? Because God has a better, different scale than we do. He says, I will bless you, press down, shaken, running over. I will pour into your account, your bosom, or whatever it is. God's reward schedule is different than man. So I want God to reward me. But if I do something and say, God's going to reward me, look at what I'm doing. Hey, everybody, look at me. No, he won't. You lost it. Because if they look at you, that's your reward. And uh, so we can either do, do things so other people will notice it, or God will. That's the choice we have. I heard about a man who went on a trip to Israel. He was about to enter the famous, impressive Man Auditorium in Tel Aviv to take in a concert by the famed Israel Philharmonic. The man was admiring the u- unique architecture, the sweeping lines of the entrance, and the modern decor throughout the building. Finally, he turned to his Israeli tour guide and asked if the building was named for Thomas Mann, the world-famous author. No, the tour tour guy responded. It's named for Frederick Mann from Philadelphia. Really? I never heard of him. What did he write? Asked the the tourist. A check, said the tour guide. (laughs) That's kind of it, isn't it? We have a lot of buildings that have got people's names on them. It's not because they write anything. It's because they wrote the check. 
Now, I want a reward or not because I wrote the check. I don't want my name on a building. I want my name in heaven, don't you? You laid uh, up treasures here. I mean, you're going to get treasures here if you do enough stuff. They will, they will reward you with things here. But that doesn't tra necessarily transition to there. I want to be rewarded there. I want to build up riches there. Because when I stand before God, I want to hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into what I prepared for you. Now, what God's prepared for us, we can't even comprehend. I don't care what you can comprehend. and yeah, We think a lot. You know, I can comprehend a lot, can't you? We sit there and we look at some of these TV shows, and you go into these houses, and they're so huge and so just loaded with stuff that costs money. Thought, Man, I could be happy here. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Well, even that can't even can, can be a dot on a page compared to what God's going to give us because we can't comprehend it. It's uncomprehendable because our minds cannot understand what God's preparing for us. Now, in Matthew 6, Jesus is continuing his Sermon on the Mount teaching. Now, he's on here, so if you looked at these three chapters, it was one continuous thing. He didn't just stop and say, well, okay, tomorrow we'll pick it up at 10 o'clock and we'll start again. He didn't say that. It was just all there. And they, the people just stayed there because they, so they were so enthralled with his teaching. See, we have the benefit of having... We have, what, CDs, we have, uh, what is it, YouTube and all these other things that we have available to us that we can listen to stuff anytime we want. But they didn't. And they, had, they were sitting on a hillside, and I've been there. And they were there for a long time listening to Jesus teach. And uh, I don't know, you know, I like to think if I would have been around that time, I'd been there too. I'd been there early. I don't like to wait in lines for nothing, you know, go in place. Well, come on over, let's go to this. Well, well. What do you have to do? Stand in line? We have to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and be first in line. I'm going, forget it. I don't need it. I'll wait for the, for the video to come out or I'll wait for it comes down because I do not like to do that. But for Jesus, I would do it. <laughs> anyway, I'd like to think I would. Wouldn't you? I'd like to think that I'd be there. Count on me. I'll be there. I'll stand in line at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'll sleep there, whatever it is. But, uh, and this text gives us a great insight into human nature and the condition of the human heart. We see a lot here if we kind of really look at it. See, we're naturally keepers, aren't we? That's just something that we do. We, uh, we just have a hard time, and we aren't likely to give if we can get out of it. I remember years ago when they were asking for gifts and all that, the common thing was said, I gave it the office. You ever heard that? <laughs> I gave it the office. Well, this is your office. <laughs> this is my office. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of what, but if we can get out of giving, we're going to. We try to, you know, justify everything. We can justify everything, can't we, if we want to. And it's, it's something that we do, rationalize everything. And it can be fun. And actually, we ask the question, why are fire trucks red? Answer, fire trucks have four wheels and eight men. Four plus eight is 12. 12 inches is a foot. A foot is the size of a ruler, and Queen Elizabeth is a ruler. The Queen Elizabeth is the largest ship on the seas. Seas have fish, and fish have fins. The fins fought the Russians, and the Russians are red. Since fire trucks are always Russian, fire trucks are always red. You know, we can rationalize anything that we want, and it doesn't have to be true or make sense. We just got to have a reason not to do it, because we rationalize everything. Of course, I'm always saying uh, a reason, let's see, what a... What is it? I can't remember myself. What is it? 
a lie, a reason is a lie rap, or what, I don't remember now. Man, I guess I wasn't supposed to say it this morning, so I'll, I'll remember it one day. Man, I may remember before we get done today. Amen? <laughs> Maybe. So we can explain anything away. Now, one pastor nailed down the whole rationalization thing when he announced, brethren, let us all give according to what we reported on this year's federal income tax return. That's an interesting one. Did you give what actually you took on your income tax return? Hopefully you did. And I know that we as believers, and you hear it all the time, I've, I've never specifically talked about giving, but we're going to hit a little things this morning because it's there. It's a subject that uh, most pastors ignore. That's a hard one to put up because, you know, once you teach on that, you hope you're packing your bags because they don't want to hear it. That's the reality of it because we don't want to be told we have to give. We don't like it. But as believers, we know we're supposed to. We're supposed to not only be givers, we're supposed to do it with joy and happiness. That's hard to do. Uh, the famous psychiatrist, Calm Menninger, had stated that one sign of mental health is the ability to release money or give it away. Think how many generous people do you know who exhibit mental instability? It is often the stingy, controlling person who is neurotic. God created us to be healthy. One way to contribute to your mental health is to practice generosity. And after this, we're going to take up another offering. <laughs> Jesus was a giver. We know that. Jesus gave everything he had for us, didn't he? He didn't hold anything back. He came for us. He was a giver, gave everything he had. And our giving is also an act of worship. How many have ever thought about that? Giving is an act of worship. I know we call it worship service. This whole service is supposed to be a time of worship. Not just the song service, not just the, the prayer we say at the end so you can go home. The whole service is called a worship service because worship is supposed to be intended Godward. Not here, but up there. And we're supposed to do that. And, and that's why we have um, song service, if you will, is because it kind of helps us to kind of get in that mode to turn off the world out there and to be able to turn on our eyes toward God so he can speak to us. So we sing songs, and no matter what the words are, if we're doing them heavenward, then God takes note of that. And when we worship God, he takes account of it. And one day we're rewarded for it because we worship God with a true heart and a true spirit. We're not doing it to be seen of anybody here. We don't do that. We do it because we want to worship God. We want to shut out the world. I know that sometimes thoughts run through your head, and we just try to have to fight those things. But the reality is when we're doing it this way, then God rewards us for it. And that's worship. But giving is worship too. Now, what decides the difference between a ritual and an act of worship? Jesus taught his disciples true worship only happens when the motive is pure. Whether it's worship, singing, whether it's preaching, whether it's witnessing, whatever it is, if those motives are pure, then we get rewarded for it, no matter what it is. But the re just doing it for reward isn't enough. Because that isn't the main motive that we need to have. The main motive we have is love, because that's when God come, came to us because he loved. Now, one of the greatest Christian activities you can do if we do it without love doesn't and cannot please God. I know there's a lot of people out there doing a lot of stuff. Like I said they're so busy serving God, they forget about their relationship with God. And we have a world of there, and pastors are especially guilty of that, or evangelists or whatever it is, because they get so wrapped up in trying to study and trying to do the things so they can come on Sunday and preach them. 
that they forget their relationship with God. But we have to realize that just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that I don't have, my, have to have my own private time anymore than you do. Because this is what I do, and I love studying, I love doing that kind of stuff, and, and I spend hours doing it. But there still has to be that private time that I have to spend with God, the same as you. Has to have a t- time set aside. People either uh, give to look good or they good to give to please God. That's the reality of it. Matthew 6, 1 and 2. <coughs> Be careful not to do your good works in public in order to attract attention. If you do, your Father in heaven will not reward you. So when you give to the poor, don't announce it with trumpet fanfare. This is what the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets in order to pray, be praised of people. I can guarantee this truth that there will be only, that will be their only reward. Now hypocrites, that word hypocrites, they, it's a word that they used to call actors, hypocrites, because they pretended to be somebody that they weren't on stage. They should call it at the hypocrites award instead of the academy awards. Because actually that's what they're doing, they're playing a part. And it's hard for us sometimes if we see that person somewhere else, we'll just associate them with them because, hey, this is the kind of part they have to play because this is what we used to see them in. And actors sometimes have a hard time getting other jobs because they're, they're locked in for the public. They'll only see them doing these kind of things. But they're hypocrites. They're actors. We don't want hypocrites specifically. I don't want to be a hypocrite. They say, well, I'm not going to go to that church because they have a bunch of hypocrites there. Well, I'd rather go to church with hypocrites than go to hell with them, wouldn't you? That's reality. And all of us are struggling. I'm not trying to, do, to pretend I'm something I'm not, and I know that most of you aren't either. But sometimes I'm going to fail, and I'm not going to live up to your expectations. I'm not going to live up to my own expectations. But that doesn't mean I'm a hypocrite. It means that I'm just striving, and I fail. And we have a congregation of people here this morning that strive, and yet fail. And that's okay, because I'm not perfect, and neither are you. I'm going to fall. I'm going to stumble. I'm going to do things that are displeasing to God and probably displeasing to you. But the reality is I'm trying to do the best I can. I'm trying to have my attention heavenward, and that's where I want to be. I want to not get locked up in that and trying to please people. Uh, See, giving in itself is neither good or bad. It's simply a transfer of something to to something else. It has no power of itself. It's just the attitude of our hearts that it does. If we're giving in a competition for the attentions of others, the motive is to look good. And I don't want to look good just to be given to look good. I think we all should give, and God knows that we should. Uh, see, when we give to others so others will admire us, we, cannot, we cancel any reward our giving brings because the attention becomes directed at the giver instead of God. God gave us what we are able to give. When we give and the attention is drawn to us instead of to God, there's the problem. That's why God wasn't going to reward us when the attention is drawn to us, because we're supposed to worship God. We're supposed to draw people to God or show them God. And when we do that and we're showing them ourselves, God isn't pleased. And we're not going to be rewarded for it. The people may admire you for it, but the reality is God isn't pleased, and that's what we need to care, of. That's what we need to care about. Now, we hate to be told that we have to give, don't we? And there are some people that hate it so much, they think, what makes you think I should put my money in your plate? They get real antagonistic about it, some people do. I'm not going to that church, all they want is your money. No, it isn't. Besides that, it isn't my plate, and it isn't 
your money. Everything we have, God gave it to us. Whether you're a believer or not, God gave it to you. If you have a good job, God gave it to you. So God gave you everything you have. It isn't a matter of of giving. It's how much we get to keep because everything belongs to God. Everything. And it can be gone in an instant. Just overnight it can be gone. But even if everything is gone, the believers don't worry because God said he'll take care of us. So if you're worried and waiting for an economic downturn, it's it's probably going to come. But I don't worry about it because I know God's in charge. I'm not going to worry about what's going to happen in the future because God is is in charge, and whatever happens, he's in charge of it. So I don't have to worry about it. I just can just go on my way and do what he wants me to do. So our giving, like worship, must direct attention towards God to be valid. That's really simple, isn't it? I'm giving. I'm not giving, you know, we say we take up the offerings here, and it's for the, the running of the church. But ultimately, you're not giving it to us. You're giving it to God. It's not us. We use the money because that's the way God chose to do it. And I'm not going to argue with him because he knows. See, the Pharisees, the reason this verse basically was there, because the Pharisees had a, had a ritual that they used to go to. And the, the Pharisees, they were very wealthy. Most of them were very, very wealthy people. And so they wanted to let people know that they were generous. So they would go hire musicians to blow trumpets as they run to the temple to put their money in. And it would, who would they draw attention to? God? No, to them. So Jesus was telling them, that's your reward. Jesus didn't like all that trumpets and stuff going on. He hated that. And that's why he called them hypocrites. Because they were drawing the attention to themselves and not to God. And uh, they wanted the fanfare, they wanted the thing. But see, God had a very interesting way of giving, didn't he? He had the tithe, which was 10%. Didn't matter, and it's the only thing that's fair. I like. I wish our taxes were fair, don't you? If everybody just said they paid a certain percentage, it would be fair to everybody. If I pay 10% and you pay 10%, it's the same sacrifice for each of us. I know that some people go, oh, no, it isn't the same sacrifice. I only got $100, and $10 is a lot to me. Well, which is easier, do you think, to give, $10 or $100? People say, well, when I start making more money, then I'm going to start giving, paying tithes. No, you won't. If you can't pay it on the $10, you'll never pay it on the 1000 That's the reality of it. And when we give, God promises to bless us. Regardless, God blesses us when we give. I I don't give so I can be blessed, but God blesses it because the tithe belongs to God. That's a no-brainer if you want to study your Bible. Um, See, they had, instead of an offering like we, they didn't pass around a thing in the church. They had an offering thing that they had. It was kind of shaped like a trumpet. And it had a little shorter top, and it kind of come down, and then it went out to kind of help people you know, like a trumpet, you know what a trumpet looks like, not the ones that we have with the long, skinny ones with the bowl at the end. And that's what it's shaped, so they put money in there, nobody could take it out. You say, oh, people wouldn't steal that, want to bet? There are people in the church that will steal. They will steal God's money if they can, because they have no conscience. I know that when we had the, went to Valley, and they had a lot more people there, and people go up to the altar and pray, well, the other people was in the back stealing purses. So the pastor had to say, hey, take your purse with you. 
Now, that's pretty bad, isn't it? Stealing pe people's money in the church while they're at the altar praying. All right, I'm going here to their stuff. But that's the rally the world will live in, isn't it? And they had to do it back then. They put it in. Reminds me of going to a movie theater. You had to buy a ticket first or you couldn't get in because it was outside the door before you came in. You gave your money. Uh, Chuck, Chuck Swindoll told about an offering box he heard about in a church. It's the opposite of the kind of pride-stroking Jesus warned us against. The high-tech collection box had a laser that read the contributions immediately. When you drop in a $5 bill or more, nothing happens. Any coins that total 50 cents or more sounds like a little bell. A quarter will get you a gong, and a dime sets off sirens. If you walk past without giving, a camera pops up and takes your picture, packs, faxes it to the treasurer, and puts a flag on your membership letter. <laughs> I think we'd run out of a lot of film in churches today if they had that. <laughs> but see, if they did that, it would just acknowledge the giver, not, the, not giving to God. People say, oh, I want to be able to not let them know that I'm in here, so I'm going to put money in. They'd probably get more money. We probably would. If we, if we did something like that, we might get more money because nobody wants to be gonged when you come into church, do they? Well, we'd probably stop coming, though, wouldn't we? I don't go there. I get gonged. <laughs> I don't want to be gonged. I remember the gong show. You ever remember that years and years ago? It was kind of like the American Idol is today, only if you were bad, they gonged you and you, you were over. <laughs> So it was kind of fun in that res respect. So American Idol isn't new. It's just recycled to do that. But see, we can give cheerfully, but without drawing attention to the gift. That's what God wants us to do, to give cheerfully. When we give grudgingly in attempt or to get credit for our giving, we do two things. First, we sin against the poor, telling them that the church has no place for them. Second, we lose any real reward, the approval of God. I said that's why um, Jesus hated the trumpets being blown because it put people on different levels. You're either the wealthy or you're poor, and it kind of made the poor feel bad. And if you're not wealthy in that days, you're either wealthy or you're poor. There wasn't no middle class, and so it drew attention to them and made the the people that they couldn't give large sums of money feel bad. But Jesus' plan works because of equal sacrifice. Now in this scripture, he's not talking about the tithe. This that he's talking about is over and above the tithe because the tithe was a no-brainer. Everybody paid their tithes. It didn't make any difference. And I know that there are, you know, some churches that keep track of that. And our son was called into an office and told that he was behind in his tithes. Now, if I did that, would you come to church? <laughs> but some churches do that. Say, hey, where's it at? You're behind. You made 10000 last year, and all you gave was 50 cents. It's amazing because we have a thing about uh, all these politicians that uh, give. And you kind of laugh because, who I don't know who was it was, one of the politicians gave $100 in the whole year, and they made millions. $100 they gave to charity. Wow, what a gift. But Jesus wasn't talking about him because that already belonged to God. Malachi 3, 8 through 12. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the tithe, whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. 
Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. This is the verse in the Bible we kind of refer to. There's the only place that God says, test me. Test me. See if I keep my word. See if I don't open the floodgates of heaven. See if I don't pour out a blessing upon you, if you're faithful to God. See, this is God's promise. So if you pay your dies and you're struggling, then you need to go tell, read this to God. Because it's amazing, and I found this to be true in my own life, and I don't know how many other lives that I've found it to be true, that you live better on the 90% than you ever could on the 100%. And there's a lot of people, when they started their businesses, they started, well, I had a, knew a guy, that his job was going around and teaching people how to make money. And one of the first things he told them is, is you must give your 10%. He says, if it's not to a church, you have to give it somewhere. If you want to be prosperous, that's just the law. And these were non churchgoers or religious or whatever people that he did. And he got paid a lot of money. He got paid like $2,000 for each one of these. And this was like 40 years ago. So that was a lot more money then than it is now. And he taught it at our church. Taught all these money-making things. And that was the number one thing. Because he says, God will bless you irregardless. See, God's laws work whether you believe in them or not. Doesn't make any difference. You can say, I don't believe in gravity all you want. You dropped something. There's a law that's going to draw that to the ground. And this is a law that God has set up for us. And he promised if we're faithful, that he will be. But Jesus wasn't talking about the tithe in these verses. Uh, Brian Kluk, Kluk, or whatever his name is from Denver, Colorado, did a study on tithers and found Christians. Oh, the next slide, please. I forgot to put it up there. Uh, on a study on tithers and found Christians who, ta- who tithe have healthier finances. There is an estimated 10 million tithers in America that donate more than 50 billion annually to religious and charitable causes. A five-year study released by the State of the Plate, State of the Plate gives an in- inside, in-depth look at financial giving and spiritual practices of 4,413 people who donate 10% or more each year. Survey participants was from all 50 states, all types of churches, and all level income levels. According to the Christian Post, researchers compared tithers to non-tithers using nine financial health indicators and found that tithers were better off in every category. The weird thing is a tither looks at that and says to himself, well, I'm better off because I give. A non-tither looks at that and says, oh, they give because they're better off. Some of the more interesting findings for the study included 77% of those who tithe give 11 to 20% or more of their income than the 10%. 97% make it a priority to give to their local church. 70% tithe based on their gross income, not their net. 63% started giving 10% or more between childhood and their 20s. Next, I'm sorry, next two, next slide. Uh, tithers carry much less debt than most people and are financially better off than non-tithers. 80% of tithers have no unpaid credit card bills. 70% have no car payments. 48% own their home. 28% are completely debt-free. What keeps non-tithers from giving? 38% say they can't afford it. 33% say they have too much debt. 
and 18% said their spouse doesn't agree about tithing. The reality is that we are keepers. As long as we're keepers and not givers, our life can't be blessed because we're, have you ever watched that show Hoarding on TV? I've seen some shows where they had hoarders in there, and I'm at this, man, they just hold on to everything, old papers, old food things, containers, old cereal boxes, all kinds of stuff. They just cannot throw anything away. And God can't bless us if our hands are full. It's hard to receive something with your hands closed. And in order to have the hand open, you've got to be obedient to God. You say, well, oh, no, I can't afford it. Well, I tell people you can't afford not to. That's the reality. We can't afford not to. I don't dare not give. I don't give because I'm thinking about a reward. I'm giving because God commanded it. It doesn't matter how I think about it. People say, oh, that's Old Testament. Okay, you can go to the New Testament. It says everything belongs to God. I like Old Testament better. 10% is cheaper. (laughs) But the reality is that givers are better off. That's a fact. Now, you can probably find another survey, but this I found this to be true throughout my whole life. Givers have more to give because they give. It's a circle that continues. You give, God honors it. You get it, you give, God honors it. And the circle gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It's a fact. It's a biblical truth. And you can call anybody in this congregation who tithes and ask them that, and they'll tell you that. You'll get blessed. You'll have a job. Someone else may not have a job. Maybe you're tithing and they're not. When we hang on to stuff, God can't work through us. The church is something that that God set up. It wasn't my idea to start a church. It was God's idea. To start a place where people can come to worship God, to to fellowship, to be together, and to give. You've got to have a place to give. Some people give more money to TV evangelists than they do to their local church. And that's non-biblical. I mean, it's nice, you know, if you give extra. I support some ministries on, from uh, TV that I know. But my tithe belongs here, except for the percentage I have to give to the district. <laughs> but we give because God commanded it. It doesn't matter. That 10% of it, and it says if I steal from God and don't pay my tithes, I'm a thief and a robber. I don't want God calling me a thief or a robber. And I know this is hard stuff to hear, And a lot of places you can't tell it because they won't come back. This is something that people won't preach about because, oh, no, the people won't come back. Well, I'd rather tell you the truth because it's in the Word. And it's in the section of the Sermon on the Mount. But Jesus wasn't talking about the tithe because that was an automatic thing. That was an automatic gimme. He was talking about the things over and above the tithe, Matthew 6, 3, and 4. But when thou dost... Alms, let thine let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. When you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your contributions privately. Your father sees what you do in private, he rewards you and in, in, he will reward you. Now this passage is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And so far we've learned that the Sermon on the Mount is basically about one subject, and that's love. Because if you get that, if you let God's love flow through you, everything else is just an automatic thing. If you, if you let God's love flow through you, you'll be a giver. If you let God's love flow through you, you'll have the fruit of the Spirit. You will have peace. You will have contentment. You will have all this stuff. 
because God has all this stuff. And when we open up our life to him, we will have it. Because when we become a believer in the Spirit, His Spirit comes and lives inside of us. So everything that God thinks about and His nature, and that comes inside of us. Of course, we have that old net in there that we're fighting back and forth with, and we, we stuff God on the back burner sometimes to do what we want. But if we yield to God, then we will do everything He wants us to do. Because we, we commanded to be like Jesus. That's what we're supposed to be, like Jesus. And Jesus gave everything He had. Now, I'm not talking about going out, going home, and writing a check for everything in your account, selling everything given to the church. I'm not talking about that. Although they tried that in the New Testament, and it didn't work. Because it turned into a, look at me, I sold this, and I'm giving it to you. Hey, look at me. Didn't work. And you had people that wouldn't work. We're finding that in the government, aren't we? People don't want to work, so they go just, I'm not going to let the government support me. Why should I work? I can make more money there than I can working. In the church, we tried it. It didn't work. We have to do it the way God said to do it. God said 10% is the minimum. But then he uses these verses and goes a little further. He says, when you give, not if. This is above the tithe. And so, oh, no, man, I wish I'd have stayed home today. Man, I only want money, money, money. This is above the tithe. God says he wants you to give to the poor. Give to the needy. Give to other things. We give to missionaries. That's over and above the tithe. If we have an evangelist come through, you want to give them money, that's great. It's over and above your tithe. They don't get your tithe. The church gets your tithes. They get the extra. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of impressed with Scott. He's, he's in prison, and he sends me his tithe check. When he gets paid, he sends me a tithe check. This week he sent me, he, I mean, the amount itself isn't a lot of money by our scale. But it doesn't matter. He's paying it. He says, I know I'm supposed to pay my tithe, but this amount seemed too low, so I'm giving you twice as much. So he got two tithes, doubled his tithe. Why? Because it was inbred in him. He might not have listened to everything, but he remembered a lot of things about what Christians are supposed to do. And he does it. So it's there. And if you're here long enough, you read God's word, you're going to get it in your heart. You know you're supposed to give. But this is over and above the tithe. We give money to the police department for people that come through. They're broke down or something like that because I get calls all the time from people that give me the sad stories. Everybody's got a sad story. And I don't give them to them. I send them up there because they can filter through the lies easier than I can. Because if I listen to all the sad stories, we'd have no money. <laughs> I can't listen to them. I mean, I'm, I'm still amazed at people. In the middle of winter, they're going from, from that place 3,000, 2,000 miles away, and they don't have any money to get there. They figure they're just going to come by and stop and mooch off the churches along the way, give them a sad story. I don't fall for sad stories. I send them up there. It's easier. But we're supposed to give to those. But I have given to people because God tells me to, and I will, individually. And we, as a group, if we feel like it's something that's worthy of our church, we will. And we do that to uh, people, in, to, to tsunamis and different things, earthquakes and different things. We've given as a church, we've sent money to, to places. But be careful where you're sending it. Because a lot of people, they don't, they don't go to the need. The United Way, if you're lucky, 5% goes to the need. So don't give your money, save it. You not only give because it's God's money, everything we have is God's. Be a good steward about it. Check it out. I don't give to any place that doesn't get at least minimum of 80% goes to the need. 
That's my bottom breaker, breaking point. So if you give, check it out. I'm not giving to any of those programs. I don't get sucked in by, you know, say, well, oh, man, those four kids, they have flies all over, and they look skinny and all this other kind of stuff. Yeah, that's true, and they break your heart, and that's because they want your money. So don't fall for all that stuff. Check it out. Make sure that they're true. The one voting, let's see, the word alms, before I get anything, means gifts of love to show mercy, sympathy, and it could be money. See, we automatically think of, when we say giving, we think money. But see, it isn't always money. Sometimes it's time. Sometimes it's going to an elderly house and clean their house or mow their grass or something that they, that they have a time struggle with. Time is one of the hardest things we have to give. We don't want to give our time. We'd rather give money. There's a lot of people that would rather give money than give time which is, you know, fine. <laughs> you want to give your money instead of your time? That's okay, we'll take it. Devil's had the money long enough. Our people that said, you know, when people that were going, you know, strippers or all these kind of uh, occupations that we consider sinful occupations, and they pay their tithes and say, well, we can't take that money because of the where it come from. I said, why? God, uh, the devil had it long enough. About time God got the chance to have something, right? I don't care if somebody wants to give, I'm going to take the money. Now, if they tell me, I'm giving you this out of the profit from my inappropriate house, <laughs> then maybe I'd think twice, but it, it, that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> so, but one of the ironic things about giving is around election time. We know it's election time if you don't hear a campaign or nothing, because all of a sudden the politicians are out there doing their good deeds. They're calling the cameras, and they're saying, oh, come and look at me, I'm going to be down feeding, serving food. I'm going to be on scrubbing the walls. Why? Because just look at me. See, I care. Vote for me because I care. That's what it's about, isn't it? But when the uh, campaign's over, do they still do it? Probably not. Most of them don't. They probably figure, ah, that's good enough. It got me elected. That's all I need to do because that's what it's about. They, may, they might care about the people a little bit, but that isn't secondary to the motive of getting elected. That's all they want to know about. Now, we think that, well, isn't at least the people are getting helped and, and at least they're doing something. Yeah, that's true. And I think that's good that they're doing that. But the people are blessed by it. But if their motive is just say, look at me, then God's not pleased. And he won't reward you for it. I don't care how much of it you do. You can spend 40 hours a week doing good for people so you, some, somebody can say, hey, look at him. He gave 40 hours a week to this place. Hey, look at me. You know, we could never, you know, we say crucify the flesh. We couldn't do it. Because while we were, after we got through with one hand, we were saying, hey, look at me, look at me. Because we are, that's just the na natural, the way that we are. That's the reality of it. Uh, the greatest sermon of all is in, next slide. John three sixteen. We all can quote this part. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave. That's the greatest sermon there is. That is the whole gospel. God so loved the world, he gave. So we wouldn't perish. He gave. And the best explanation of that sermon is 2 Corinthians 8, 9. It says, For ye know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on a cross for our sins, rose from the dead, 
and are going to return. Why? What is his motive? His motive was love. He loved us. That's why he did it. I mean, we are incapable to do that. It's hard for us to, to have that kind of love. But when we give our lives to him and he lives within us, it's easier for us to do this. Because Jesus can kick the, kick the me out of me if you let him. If we surrender to him, he can do it. And it, it, that's what he wants us to do. 1 Corinthians 3, 13 to 15. Their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet he will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Now, I used to have a hard time with this scripture, and I spent so much time trying to figure out why I was going to do something. Am I doing it for the right reason? Am I doing this for God? Am I doing it for myself? I spend more time worrying about that than I did doing something. And I come to the conclusion, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to do it. And at the end of the world, the day I'm judged and everything burns up and I have a bonfire, so be it. Because I can't filter through all this stuff because the devil will get in your head and tell you, see, you're just doing it to be seen a man. Now, this doesn't mean we can't claim things on our income tax. That's a good deal to get a tax break. The question you need to ask yourself is, if I don't get a tax break, will I still do it? Then you'll see your motives. There are people in this congregation that if I never took another offering in this church, their giving would not give down. They would mail it. They would give it to me. They would do it, whatever. I wouldn't have to take an offering ever again because they are faithful. They understand the, the giving. They understand those things. Of course, we'd lose a lot. Of, we'd lose a little bit of money because we thought, all right, I don't have to give this week. Yay, yay, yay! No offerings. So I'd miss the the little clingers and the <laughs> the other things that's there. But uh, but those are those are important. I'm not saying that I don't want to belittle the amount because God says they're the same. He looks at the heart, just like the widow's mite. That everybody knows she gave more than anybody, even more than the Pharisees with their trumpets and everything because she gave all that she had. Now, I'm not, like I said, I'm not saying you go home and give us all you can unless God tells you to. God tells you to, be faithful and do what he says. But I'm not telling you to do that. I'm telling you to be faithful to God and God will be faithful to you. And it's the thing, more you give, more you're blessed. It's just a reality that we have. So I, we can have God's rewards or we can have man's. With one or the other. Now, why are our works burned up? You know, so I used to think about that too. And I've come to the conclusion they're burned up because we did them for the wrong motive. And if we're doing it for any motive than love, it's sin. And sin cannot enter heaven, right? So we have to get rid of the sin. And that's why they're burned up. And we'll suffer loss, but we'll be saved. And when we're there at that time, we're not going to sit there and beat our head. Oh, God, oh, no, God, I wanted that reward. We're not going to do that. We're glad that God is filtering everything we do with fire because we want to be pure. And if I have a bonfire, so be it. I'd rather have a bonfire than nothing. Wouldn't you? I want something when I get there. So we can't look at that. We want our motives to be pure. And when our motives are pure and we're doing it for God, not because the pastor said to do it or not because, oh, man, I have to do this because otherwise people will think that I'm whatever. And we do it out of love, love for God, 
knowing that this is a place where people come to learn about God, hopefully to meet God, then we're doing it for the right reason. And I want to do it for the right reason because I want God to reward me. But I can't spend a lot of time worrying about it. I just do it when I feel like I need to do it because God will tell you. The devil don't want you doing good deeds. You know that? If, you have a, if you're doing something that's good, it's from God. It ain't from the devil. You don't even worry about it. It's from God, and every good and perfect thing comes from God. So if God's telling you to do something that's good, do it. It's God. Amen? Let's pray. I pray to Father, Lord, I thank you for this day and your blessings, Lord. And I know, Lord, that some of, the, some of this message was hard for people to hear, but I know, Lord, that they need to hear it. We need to hear every part of your word, not just the parts that we like or the parts that are more comfortable. Lord, we want to hear it all. So I pray, Lord, that you just touch our hearts today and help us, Lord, to look at things differently and realize we're doing things for you. No matter what it is, help us to know that we're doing it for you, not to be seen of men. Lord, and I thank you for it, Lord. And if there's someone here that doesn't know you, I pray, Lord, that they would make that decision today. In Jesus' name, amen. So anyone here say, you know, I'm not I, a giver. I've been a giver, but I don't know God. Anyone this morning, but I would like to know him?